0: Okay,
1: so I, uh, I played around with titles today on this, and I settled on gospel faith because ultimately it, it's about gospel faith. Starting off in Romans chapter 1 For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For, it, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Um, I'm used to the King James, primarily, which has this as uh, from, from faith to faith. From faith to faith is the King James, the New King James, and plenty of others, but... Backing up uh, to from faith for faith, which is how the RSV and the ESV have translated it, um, what they're saying in that is it was revealed by faith to be received in faith. So translators, people who uh, whose job it is to understand Greek and translate Greek, call this phrase somewhat difficult. And there are three primary views of what it might mean. I, I happen to think that all three nuances are good <laughs> so um, given time I'll, I'll show you another tool uh, well I'll talk about here in a second. This from faith to faith is how the King James, the New King James, the Christian standard Bible, the new American standard Bible, and the New English translation has it now, In your Bible study time, you should look up the the NET, the NET Bible, the New English Translation, because in this translation, the translators have given copious notes as to the questions regarding the background language and why they made the decisions they did in translating it the way they did, Which, which is just a fantastic insight into the, not only the process, but also into the original language. It just kind of amplifies some things, some understanding of the, of the text for you. But this from faith to faith translation reflects the understanding of moving from one degree of faith to another. And this is, this is viewed from analogous phrases like from glory to glory. So you get this sense of, of progression or building from one degree of faith to another. I also like how the NIV has this translated, which is, by faith from first to last. So uh, the NIV, the new, the, the, the new International Version, is, is a thought-for-thought, um, thought, not a word-for-word word translation. ESV, King James, are word-for-word. Are NIV is a thought for thought. And so they're trying to give you the thought of this, that the righteousness righteousness is by faith from start to finish, which is not a bad translation. Matter of fact, it's not only a good picture, the English Standard Version, their alternate translation of this is beginning and ending in faith. It's a faith journey. It's a faith journey. And when uh, Romans... Let me go all the way back here. Uh, with, in verse 17, For in righteousness of God is real from faith, for as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, is a quotation from Hosea 11. And that, that faith can be seen as faithfulness. It's not this, it's not this, this singular event when we believe, boom, and then everything is just magically done. Is there a moment in time in life where we come to saving faith in Jesus? Yes, there is. But that's not the end of it or the sum total of it. It's the start of it. The start of it. Babies walking around. So, Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Paul asks the congregations of Galatians, he says, Does he who supply the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Remember before I talked about prophetic faith? So, um, what I'm sharing today, I was inspired by this... I show them on the screen there. Uh, Craig Keener's Spirit Hermeneutics, which I, I found to be a very encouraging read, but in the in the near final chapters, he talks about um, some charismatic excesses. Let's let's put it that way. Now, now Craig Craig Keener uh, himself, who's uh, he's he's a scholar, he's an academic, he's charismatic. He says, uh, he he prays in tongues up to about an hour a day. Um, But he's revealing some of the uh, doctrines or or teachings in charismatic circles. You know, kind of like, well, you know, well, my father owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. And so we usually quote that to ourselves with regard to God's provision. Well, God's going to provide for me. Unfortunately, it takes the verse completely out of context because when God says that, what he's saying is, what do you think you're doing for me in all these offerings? You're bringing all your cattle and bleeding them out? I own all the cattle. What is that to me? And so we take God's communication, which says what I want is obedience and faithfulness, and we turn it into a gospel of prosperity by pulling it out of context. And so Keener... In this book, addresses these kinds of things in, in a very, um, a, a very winsome but a very solid way of taking the testimony of God in context. So, in the section on, on word of faith teachings, um, one reference he makes is to Mark eleven twenty three, which is whoever says to this mountain, you know, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, shall have whatever he says. Right. And so he he says in the text that Mark 11.23 is probably prophetic speaking and thus is conditioned on God's backing. And then he quotes Lamentations. He quotes Lamentations uh, 3.37. As Lamentations points out, who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord commanded it? Okay? So... So that, that would be an example of, of prophetic faith. And prophetic faith is this, you perform miracles by the hearing of faith through prophetic faith. If you're ministering the Spirit and then God reveals to you in your spirit, and the way this is going to come across is, it's going to come across, He's going to speak inside your spirit. The physical interface between your spirit, soul, and... Is your body your brain he's going to give you a vision or a word or a feeling a knowing and because of your relationship with God and because Jesus says my sheep know my voice you recognize that voice you trust that voice and as Jesus said I only do what I see the father doing you speak that out and then God backs it up that's prophetic faith again it's not me not doubting that I can do the impossible. It's me believing that God has promised to do the impossible. So this is how we always keep the faith track straight. It's not in my ability of, of focus of thought. It's in my trust in the one who promised. Okay? So he who works miracles among you, does he do it by the by. By the, by the works of the law? So, okay, um, if, if you confess all your sins and you, you kneel four times, you give all your offering up, and then you sign the membership card, um, then God will, will do this deliverance for you. No. That would be working a miracle by the law, by some sort of formula that says, hey, you fill out this to-do list, and then God is covenant-bound, To, um, you know, do what you want. Now, in the pagan context, we pretty much call that magic. In the pagan context, and in pagan worship, what you do are all kinds of different ceremonies that bind the deity to do something for you. That's magic. God's not about magic. God's about the miraculous. God is about showing himself to be the God. He's about relationship. He's about faithfulness. So when he shows you something in the Spirit and you receive that by faith, you work it by faith. Right? He reveals it, you speak it, miracle happens. Okay? This is how... I mean, this is how the paralyzed move. this is how the deaf hear, the blind see, this kind of a thing. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So he's moved from this experiential gospel of, of seeing God work the miraculous and using it as an example to his congregation. Who has bewitched you? Who's used sorcery on you to make you think you've got to fill out all these qualifications for you to, to, for, for, for you to have this relationship with God. Miracles don't happen that way. The Holy Spirit doesn't move in your midst that way. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Okay? So Abraham is put forward as this example of faith. And what he is quoting is Genesis 15:6. So we move on to Galatians 3, verse 7. "...know then that it, that it is those who are, those of faith who are the sons of Abraham." This is like, oh, this is a big thing, right? That, that, that the family of Abraham is now quantified by faith, not genetics. That Abraham's tribe now is not a matter of physical descent, but of heart orientation, of faith. Those who, that, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham." And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the what? Gospel. The gospel. You know, you're comment at the start. Well, you know, when does the gospel start? Well, when when did God begin preaching the gospel? He preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. And so we've been spending some time unpacking this disinheritance of the nations at the Tower of Babel. Where mankind decided they were going to just go ahead and and by their work building this tower, reach up into heaven. And and God said, you know, "You, you want to touch the divine? Go. And then he chooses Abraham. But when he calls him, he says, and you shall all the nations be blessed. That's the gospel. All the nations are going to come to me. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Scripture also calls Abraham the father of faith. So do you think Abraham has something to teach us about faith? Yes. I mean, pretty good example of faith, right? Okay? So this is where I really appreciated Craig Keener's insights because... As much as I've studied Abraham's walk of faith, I've never really kind of looked at it this way. So I I trust this blesses you like it blessed me, if I can get through it. So, we're going to look at his obedient faith from Genesis 12, his commendable faith, which is what we see in Genesis 15, 6, and then his proven faith, out of Genesis 22. Okay? Ready? So, obedient faith. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. So, this this three-part calling um, goes deeper and deeper to his comfort zone. Get out of your country. Get out of your tribe. Get away from your dad. and go where I show you.
0: That would be scary, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, it would be scary, particularly when He just says go, and He doesn't tell you where. Well, wait a minute. Don't we have the same thing? Go. Mm. In the going, God gives direction. Verse 2. Watch verse 2. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So in this, God calls him and God promises him, in verse 2, a great nation Land and children. So the first part of verse four. So Abram, Abram went.
0: She wants you to take it out of there.
1: Abram went as the Lord had told him. So we see Abram exhibiting obedient faith. He's obeying the Lord. He went. This commendable faith we see in Genesis fifteen five and six. is what uh, Paul quoted in in Galatians. In verse 5, And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Okay? Now, rabbit trail warning. (laughs) Okay, So, in the calling of prophets, there there is generally a divine counsel scene. We've been looking at some of these. Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Uh, Jeremiah, had they stood stood in my counsel and heard my word, right? Um, Moses, going to the top of Mount Sinai, and... God meeting him there in flame and consuming fire. Okay, all these as you see these different prophets and these different callings where they they've been called into the spirit realm. The apostle Paul, I knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot say. Such a man was drawn to the third heaven. Right. So we have all these kinds of scenes. Um, there are those who postulate that when He took him outside, it wasn't outside of his tent.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, really?
1: That when God took Abram out and showed him the host of heaven, he wasn't looking up, he was looking down. Maybe <laughs> so. Okay? So that... Anyhow, I don't want to make too much of that, but just... So he says, so shall your offspring be. Again, remember, this is Genesis. This is ancient Near Eastern men, believers in Yahweh, writing to an ancient Near Eastern culture. And when you read the host of heaven, see, I, 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 I still kind of get messed up with this sometimes. Like, when you, when you read apocalyptic sections of Isaiah... And, and, and jeremiah and you read about the host of heaven falling down i tend to think naturally like what's going to happen in the cosmos and is that a lot of meteorites or what's going on because that host of heaven language is talking about the heavenly host It's talking about the elohim okay so to the ancient near east when they looked up there that was representative of divine beings. This is why God said, Don't lift your hand to heaven, you know, to worship the starry host. Those weren't they weren't that wasn't material things that they thought that, that they were trying to connect with. Those were celestial beings. You know, the 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 spirit beings that God had created. Okay? You with me? But God takes Abraham outside, he says, Look, I I made all of them and I named all of them. Your children will be that numerous and of that quality. And Abram said, I believe you. And God counted it to him for righteousness. Okay? Now, we already saw in Genesis 12 that Abram was a man of faith because he obeyed God. This is how, this is, obedience is proof of faith. Mental assent. Is proof of intelligence, or at least of working your brain. Well, yeah, I I believe God said that, but you know, I'm, you know fill in the blank as to why you're not going to do what God said. It 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 amounts to well, you know, I'm not going to really believe. It. So this is James's faith without works is dead, right? In that true faith translates to faithful action. So. If you take God as at His word, obedience is evidence, right? So we saw evidence of His faith in God. He went. What did God say to him before he went? I will make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless all. Right? Well, fifteen six is God counted it to him for as righteousness. This is righteousness by faith. Let's let's get a running start at it. Because Genesis 14 is when he, he goes and gets Lot, right? In, in, the, uh, yeah. in the battle with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and the whole bit. He gets Lot back. And then, and then he gives tithes of everything to Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God. And at the end of that, because he said, I don't, I don't want to say that man made me rich. So, you know, I just I give the spoils to my allies. He took a tenth. He gave it to the priest, and he just took his own people back. And then God, in verse 1, says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Remember, we looked about this. So the word of the the Lord's coming to to Abram in a vision. This is the word of the Lord in physical form. Visual. Okay? This, This representation of Yahweh, who we know as Jesus, right? Um... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. This said to a man who just recaptured his whole family with 300 men trained in his household. Just had a great victory. Was able to give tithes to the priest of the Most High God. The same guy who's living in Canaan because God said, Go, and I'll make you a great nation. And he went. And God says, hey, I'll be your great reward. And Abram says, what will you give me? You're going to be my great reward? What are you going to give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Nice guy, but
0: it's not my kid. Yeah. yeah. He's complaining. He's complaining. You thought I, I'm going to have... God is as, as the
1: host of heaven. Right? And and but so I I kind of want to widen your view of faith here. Okay? What? Worry is a sin. Uh, worry says God cannot do. Uh, or
0: maybe will
1: not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? But faith says what is God going to do? Faith also says, God, what are you doing? Because it's a relationship, mm-hmm. it's relational faith, okay? Yes. And so he already, as a man obedient to faith, already has the promise of land and children. And he says, "What are you going to give me?" As I'm childish, child, childish. No, childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, "Behold, you've given me no offspring." And a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him: This man shall not be your heir; your very own son shall be your heir. This man's not going to be your your very own son's going to be your heir. Okay. And
0: this is a, a vision, right?
1: Yeah. This is this is him talking to the word of the right. Lord. Right. And you
0: said.
1: Hey, yeah. You as a it, it's a it in. Uh, Yahweh in in a theophany is speaking with him. Okay? And so then verse 5, he brings him outside. He says, look toward heaven and number the stars. And then he says to him, so shall your offspring be. All right? And he counts counts it to him as righteousness. So that is Genesis 15. All right? He's righteous in faith. So we go to Genesis 15. That was the end of the slides, guys. I figured I could preach, not type. <laughs> Genesis 15, verse 6. He believed God and. He believed the Lord and he counted to him his righteousness. And he said to him in verse 7, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur the Chaldees, Chaldeans, and to give you this land to possess. Okay? So he counted to him as righteousness. Just, hey, I'm Yahweh. I'm the one who called you out. I'm the one that said, Leave your land, your tribe, and your dad. He just promised him offspring. He just promised him the land. Verse eight, but he said, "Oh Lord, how am I going to know I'm going to have the man? <laughs> he says, "He says, Oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it?'"
2: That sounds like Mary saying, "How so? This beast, and I yeah. you know not a man."
1: It's exactly.
2: Like, okay, that sounds good. How are you going to do it?
1: How, how's this going to happen? <laughs> so this is this is a relationship. This is a man of faith. Okay? It's a man of faith. In other words,
0: he can't can't see how it's going to be, so he's asking the Lord. Right.
1: And so, God's answer to this is to cut covenant with him. And you know the scene. He says, we'll bring all these sacrifices, you know, cut them in half. And then, he puts Abram to sleep. And then, he sees God... Pulls out a rib. Huh? Pulls out a rib. No, no, no. That's a different different one, Abel. Yep and he he cuts him in half, lays out, the sun goes down, verse 12, deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, wait a minute, Abram's sleeping. So now he's talking to him in a dream. Know for a certainty that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. And I'll bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward... They shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. This is the first uh, semblance of the Shekinah glory cloud in this, in this form, in this vision. Walks through... God cuts covenant with himself. And and on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. So the land promised to Abram is from the Nile to the Euphrates. It's a little bit bigger than, you know. That's a lot of land. uh That's a lot of land. Um, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Rephaim, uh-huh. um, the Amorite, the Canaanite, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So, okay, he's he's been called out of Ur of the Chaldees. God God verifies in Genesis 15 that He had promised when He called him out to give him the land, right? Um, he has been promised progeny. Your own son shall be your heir. He's given him covenant, and He's given him a vision. Next scene, Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And so, not exactly faithlessness, but um, trying to work it out for God. Trying to work it out for God. And so he yeah. goes into Hagar, and she conceives. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So now we have this whole uh, this whole thing begin. So Sarai and Abram look at this situation. They see God's promise, and they go, "Well, okay, then." How are we going to work this out? Now, this is a little different than Abram turning to God and saying, How shall I possess the land? This is Sarai and Abram going, Well, maybe God, you know, God promised that he would take care of the mortgage. So, maybe I should buy a lottery ticket. (laughs) You know, we only have 200 bucks and no food. But God promised to cover the needs. So... I should probably buy a lottery ticket. And we kinda laugh, but I, you know I've met people like this. Yes, and when I was young and eating ketchup, I was tempted like this. Okay? So this is trying to work out the promise of God through fleshly means. How did it turn out, Church? Uh, not very well. Still fighting yeah. It didn't did not turn out well at all. We get Ishmael out of that, right? In chapter 17, God restates the promise. Verse 1, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and ye shall be, you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant. And he gives him, he gives him circumcision. And then in verse 15, he says, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 99 year, 90 years old, bear a child? So, he's the man of faith. He's the father of faith. He calls him out of Ur of the Chaldeans. says, leave home. I'm going to give you this land. Abram shows up in that land. He gets conflict. His, his nephew, in essence, whom he's treating as a son, is taken captive. He makes an alliance with locals. He travels up to the north country. Has a great battle and a great victory. Comes back and gives all the spoil of war. You know, this is how you. This is how you make great profit. You, know, you make good profit selling food and and livestock, but you make great profit by taking somebody else's stuff. Okay.
2: Because
1: you know, all you had to do was kill a bunch of people and then take their stuff. But he took their stuff, got his people back, gave all the money, gave a tenth part to God. Right. God shows up and says no worries, man, you're back in Canaan, I'm your shield. No. And he says, well, how do I know that? No. What are you going to give me? No. No. And so then God, you know, reiterates the front. He pulls them outside, shows them the cosmos. I'm going to make you like that. You're going to be like the host of heaven. Your children are going to be like the host of heaven. Okay? Read First Corinthians 15. This is the promise of the children of Abraham. So Heavenly glory. The,
0: his promise to do that through Sarah came before Ishmael?
1: Nope. Okay. Nope. This is why their jump of the gun, if you will, is just human frailty. Yeah. It's just human frailty.
0: So sometimes we get this idea like, like curing cancer or moving a mountain or having a hundred year old woman get pregnant are, are like, some of them are harder than others?
1: Well, I, I, I think that God doubles down on impossibilities. So yeah, I think there are degrees of impossibility. The, but
0: I think the impossibility is more in our mind.
1: It, it, it is. Uh, it, it can be. And yet still it's a startling thing. Because here we're watching the Father of Faith. He's familiar with Yahweh. He's met with Yahweh. Yahweh has ushered him through. Yahweh's angel has been over him, prospering his way. He knows this. And Yahweh shows up in, in uh, this section of Genesis and says, Sarai is going to have a child. Now, in our charismatic expression of faith... What well, we are expected to do, and it's not bad if we do it, don't get me wrong. But this is what's commendable in our Pentecostal charismatic expression of faith. You're in a hard life trial. Someone gets a word from the Lord and says, Fill in the blank. Your promotion's coming. Uh, your healing is done. I could see it. In the, I mean, fill in the promise. And what we're supposed to do is jump up and rejoice right then. Woo, I got the word of the Lord, this is great. Okay? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do. But here's the other thing we do. That word comes and someone says, I'm struggling with that word. I I don't know about that word. We begin to rebuke them. And we tell them to have faith in God. Now, I, I've done, done it, and I've experienced it. Okay? we got to be a bit broader than that, is what I'm saying. I'm not preaching that you should doubt, and I'm not preaching you should fear. I'm preaching that you should be real. This is what it means to come boldly before the throne of grace, to find help in time of need. Is to come open-faced, transparent, right? To, to Yeah, asking... To being real with God. It's not like he doesn't know what's in your heart. He's not asking for your religiosity. He's not asking for your liturgy. He's asking for your heart. Amen. That's what he wants. Amen. Right?
0: He looks upon
1: and, and so watch Abram's reaction. God promises a child through Sarai. God says to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Abram fell on his face and laughed. Stop there. See, holy laughter is a thing. He was slain in the Spirit... And, and, and the word of the Lord came, and he was so overjoyed that it was, it was, you know, he was slain in the spirit and his holy laughter. I don't
0: think I meant that.
1: No! But I could preach that, and I could have a crowd believing it.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's completely out of context because it's not what's going on. He falls before God and he laughs in incredulity. In really? Now you just, I I know this is difficult for our context because um, all of us in this room primarily have had uh, biologically intact families. But imagine with me for a minute, moms and dads, that you have a son and you've raised him to manhood, 13. And And God says to you, "Yeah, not that boy. I got another one for you." What's your reaction gonna be? You think Abraham doesn't like Ishmael? Of course he did. Where are you coming? He loves Ishmael. That's his son. You think Isaac and Ishmael buried Abraham together? You don't think Ishmael and Isaac didn't know each other? They knew each other. It's a family we're talking about. What is his reaction? He laughs like, really? How's this? Nah, come on. Come on. Why don't you just take Ishmael? Shall Sarah, he says, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? You know, my, my sister, God bless her, is 63. She's raising another grandchild. And she's doing it well, but she's like, I'm tired. I raised my kids. This is hard. This is hard work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to raise my grandkids. He's like, I'm 100 years old. I'm going to raise them a baby? What,
0: what, what this? Abraham. No.
1: Oh, Barbara, my only sister. Well, Barbara, okay. Yeah.
0: She also had lots of servants. She what? <laughs> had lots of servants.
1: Who? Sarah? Yeah. Um, she did. <laughs> um. Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, "Oh, that Ishmael might live before you." But I, I, I hear it. This is, this is, I hear an echo, and it's a human cry. Everything we've gone through, go through, Jesus has experienced. This is, this is, a, this is a warm up, uh, of of the, let this cup pass from me. (laughs) Come on, I've got a son. Why don't we just use him? This is the man of faith. This is someone who's already righteous because of his faith. And God gives him a supernatural promise and he laughs and he says, Really? Come on, I have a son. Let's use him. And, uh, and God says, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you will call his name Isaac. And I'll establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall be a fa- he shall father twelve princes, and I'll make him a great nation. But my covenant is going to be with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So, this is where we get the Romans four testimony. The Romans four testimony. Verse 13, For the promise to Abraham and to his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The Abraham, Did you catch that? Abraham would be the heir of the world. Okay? Um, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, in hope, he believed against hope. This is, you know, you're never going to let me down, is at its ultimate, a cry of hope. In hope, I believe against hope. I, I, I can't see that, but I can see you. And so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move in that direction. That he should become the father of many nations, as he has been told, so shall your offering be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Did you get that? He, so he,
0: started speaking, he started speaking out in his life what God had promised him, and he grew in faith.
1: He grew in faith as he glorified God. Yes. Now, I've got to switch the screen here, and hopefully I can do this to where y'all can see it. But I want to show you this now blue letter bible what i have up is the interlinear for romans 4:20 no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of god but he grew in his faith as he gave glory to god okay so i come down to the interlinear here see this grew strong okay he grew strong in faith it's the greek word en dynamou But what I want you to see are the parts of speech. It's a verb. Who's growing? Abraham. Abraham's growing. How is he growing? His faith is growing stronger. It's it's the aorist tense, which we have no equivalent for in English language, so it's it's generally translated as a simple past. But the aorist tense is basically a timeless tense. It's, it's a reference to something that is without having to reference the time frame. Okay? So, just put that off to the side. But it's in the passive voice. So, what does that mean? I don't know. It means that he's receiving the action. Okay? Oh,
0: he's not... Okay.
1: Right? He's not making himself strong is what I'm telling you. So, I want to show you this word and, and every place it's used in, in the received text, the received Greek text, which is only one more verse more than it is in, in the modern Greek text. But anyway, so what you do in the Blue Letter Bible is you go over here to the Strong's number and you just, you just click on it. And then it will give you a whole bunch of information on that. And it will tell you how it's translated. Uh, in the King James, it comes up, be strong uh, in all these different ways, but I just want to read these verses of where it shows up. Acts 9.22 But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is after Saul's conversion. He grows in strength. It's passive. He's being grown. He's being strengthened. Romans four twenty we just read. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he was strengthened in faith as he gave glory to God. Ephesians six ten. Finally, be strong in the Lord. This is not me going, I'm just, I just gotta believe Jesus. We're just gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna lift verses up this morning and get strong. This is me in relation to Jesus receiving strength. My strength comes from Him. <clears throat> Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Not my ability. His might and, and and dunamis the the the, the lemma of this were basically is that, that's what it means is ability um, power ability right that's the
0: one I was anticipating yeah <laughs>
1: philippians 4:13 i can do all things through him who strengthens me now in my in my um, in my early days of 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 christian training this verse was a mantra of word of faith, uh, abundant living, and, and capability. You know, we even had songs. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And and we use this phrase to encourage each other to to storm the gates. You know, uh, you know, witness to everybody. Do whatever you can. But in context, Paul writes, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Uh, we could read this in context just so we get it. Uh, Philippians chapter 4.
2: She's speaking with
1: tongues. I'm so funny. See,
0: I'm so funny
1: So, in. in uh, in Philippians four, verse ten, says, "I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speak, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In every every." In, In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. See the context? The context isn't this ever-triumphant, victorious, full-pantry life. This context isn't, if you don't have food and you're going hungry, you're out of fellowship with God and have no faith and need reprimand. This is character understanding that God can bring you through it all. He can bring you through success, which by the way is the most difficult. It's much easier being strapped and struggling than it is to be flush and distracted. Okay? But He can bring you through it all. That's the all things we can do through Him who strengthens us. Is to be consistent in our devotion to Him regardless of our circumstance. To be consistent in our service to Him regardless of our supply. This is a letter to a church. He's elsewhere. He's saying, Hey, thanks for the gift. Thank you for finally thinking of me and sending me some, some supply here. Not that I'm in crushing need, because if I'm hungry or if I'm full, I trust Jesus and He strengthens me. You get it? Yeah,
0: you
1: Lord. focused on the Lord. So, next one. 1 Timothy 1.12 I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to this service. You see where this strengthening faith comes from? All things are possible to him who believes. And the father of the demoniac kid says, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. The disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. <clears throat> this is where it comes from. It doesn't come from me. It comes from Him. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.1 Then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. <laughs> First Timothy uh, 4.17 But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me that through, through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles and, and all the Gentiles might hear it, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord strengthens us. The, uh, I'm going to change the... These are the results from um, the Westcott I think, but... Here's where they show up in the received text. And the the last one is Hebrews 11.34. Hebrews 11.34 is that great hallmark of faith, right? And yet, um, it says, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, we're made strong out of weakness. We're made strong out of weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, you know, for when I am weak, He is strong. Okay? So this is this, This is this use of his faith was strengthened as he glorified God. He glorified God. And so, in the narrative, we move to the proven faith. Which is when God says, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Is it his only son? No, but he's the only son of covenant. He's the only son of promise. He's the only son of miraculous deliverance. And go sacrifice him on the mountain that I will show you. And Abraham took Isaac and laid him on the altar. And the angel of the Lord showed up and said, Whoa, now I know. Now I know. And now... Abraham, the father of faith, has a proven faith. Wow. Here's the question. Here's the question. When was faith counted to him as righteousness? When he believed God. When, he believed God. when God took him outside and he said, Okay, I believe you. How, how do I know I'm going to get it though? <laughs> and God counted to him for righteousness. Genesis 22, verse 10, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. Yahweh Yireh. Again, Yahweh Yireh. You are my God who supplies. Right? Supplies what? The sacrifice necessary. The sacrifice necessary. God is not faithless when your pantry is empty god is trying somebody else's full pantry to see if their heart is generous that's what god is about all our suffering is not pointless if you're walking with god everything is redeemable everything has purpose none of it is just random in that sense because he's the redeemer but yahweh Yireh is the lord who sees and provides what The sacrifice necessary. Where? On the mountain of the Lord. It shall be provided. It shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham the second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate Of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you obeyed my voice. So you see that that journey arc, that growth of from faith to faith in Abraham's life. And I want to read First Peter, and then I want to read you this quote from Keener, because I think it's just telling. Um 1 Peter chapter one. Yeah. Right yeah. And verse three. Remember, he was his faith was strengthened as he gave glory to God, right? Verse three: Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that, verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in result and praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. There are just things that we're not going to know until the end. But we know Him. This is Keener's... It's just a paragraph, but I want to read you Keener's commentary. He says, By contrast, in Genesis 22, Abraham must act on faith in the God who spoke to him, sacrificing even the very promise for which he had waited so many years. Justifying faith that God counts to us as righteousness, as in Genesis 15-6, is fundamental. But experiencing God's faithfulness through years of testing initiates us into a deeper level of faith. A level of faith that trusts God no matter what. Because we know that whatever else might be the case, God is trustworthy. We have come to know Him recognizing his character and so we trust him this is not a faith for which we can take credit as if we have worked it up by our own efforts it is a faith that flows from God's trustworthiness yeah and, and so, Amen. so there's I think there's a backside to that
2: coin so yeah it's a oh there's this great faith in, in this country but when we do a thing we always have in mind this sort of checklist about how that thing is supposed to be done and I think in God's checklist, probably one of the top three checks is that I'm going to make sure that they won't be able to say that it looks like, oh, that this was done that by I a did. man. Yeah, that I did. Yeah. That, that, that
1: we did it ourselves. Right. And, and then, then. yes,
2: and so he's always no matter what we're doing by faith, we have to realize, yeah, maybe things are going to get dragged out if it's going to come off as it was done by a man. Well, <clears throat> Well, I guess I feel like i am We, we don't know what's times.
0: ahead of us in this
2: life. You know, there's going to be hard times. You know,
0: there's been hard times. You know, but you know, we, you know, God's always been there. You know, and and uh, I, I know one thing. I'm, I'm one day closer to being with him than I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> And that, at my age, is not
2: isn't gonna be that long anyway. So, amen. praise God! Amen. <laughs> so, amen. So as we labor after this faith, my point is I gotta always keep in mind, yeah, but he's gonna want this to come out where he gets the glory. And so that's where I go back to the obedience because I'm like, you know, it's not gonna do me any good to do grand gestures and to make a big hoopla about this because in the end, he's gonna make it look like he did it. So I may as well just sit in my seat and be obey and, and hear and do and pray. I believe that the prayers that God most often answers are the ones that He has put in our heart and mind. Mm-hmm. So, why I, I don't waste time trying to figure out what I want to pray anymore. But um, that's, anyway. why, that's why I like speaking in tongues so much. I don't have to worry exactly. about <laughs> it. But you, get, but, you get, but, but you get a revelation.
1: Yeah. 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 You really. get a revelation. No, yeah. and then, then you're then like, you, ah, then you can lean into it, right. This is what He's going right. to that's do. That's it. Then you can lean into it and you can pray into it, you know. and. I mean, we, we, so it's again, it's, it's, our, it's our heart's cry, and, and I, I, there, is, there is certainly a place for, for what we would call liturgical prayer. Yes. Absolutely a place for that kind of a thing. But, you know, Abram turning to the Word of the Lord and saying, okay, so how am I going to know about that? That's, you know, we can put that in the prayer wheelhouse. You know, that conversation with, with the Lord that's, a, that's just a continual thing. Um, you know, in your in your practicing the presence of God, so to speak, is this this continual, uh, speaking with the Lord throughout the day, of your heart, your concerns, your thankfulness, giving Him glory. You know, it's, and that He's it's in that
2: process that I think we really grow from glory to glory, yeah. that He gets manifested, and that we really prosper and blossom as what He intended. Amen. Because in the end, we're just grass. Yeah, yeah, we're really. really. Yeah.
1: Yeah, with um, with very very narrow limited world view.
2: But if we will draw from the ground that water, and if we will yield to His light, then we will produce that fruit. You know, amen, amen. Inspiring. Well, well I trust that blessed you. We, we blessed pray, We praise Him. Look back and look up, look back
1: on all all the problems that we had, and, and you know,
0: and 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 then. There was deliverance, you know. We went through some hard times. In the crushing, he made new wine. God, Amen. Thank you, Lord.
1: Yeah. Hey, here's a, quick, here's a quick view of the NET, the New English Bible. And you see all these on this side, you see all, all these uh, hyperlinks here, notes. And then they just give you um, exhaustive commentary. Uh, verse for for their decisions in the translation, which is just really awesome, Are you know, for your study. Lying, uh, still with us? uh, and, uh n- were no, that like the meeting timed out. So, but it was, it was good to see them.
2: you still sharing your screen.
1: I am sharing my screen to Anthony.
2: Uh, Thanks for staying in, Anthony. I'm trying. Awesome, was
0: that was an awesome
1: teaching. Praise God. Well, I hope it blessed y'all. Bless me. I just, I just love that. You know, he. Of course, he's a much better uh, teacher than I am he did it in like four paragraphs it took me a little while <laughs> I, I get the
0: feeling to kind of tie this back into what you were sharing about living in the valley that someday we're going to step back from all of this and realize our whole life is a
1: valley but, I mean it, Comparative. it, yeah compar- comparatively yeah yeah good point. good point yeah praise God
2: the valley
0: was shattered yeah. Is, sometimes we feel
1: yeah.
0: Presence hovering over us, leaning on our shoulder, weighing us down. Other times we feel lifted up, but this just psychological,
1: you know, it's the instrument flight training mm-hmm. kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. May the grace of the, the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, Christ and the, the love Lord of God, God, God and the God fellowship of the, the Holy, Holy, Spirit Holy Spirit be with us all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.